0: I shaved my head this morning. Can you see? <laughs> your looks. Your head looks great, Joe. <laughs> I made this, uh, this book cover for you this morning.
1: Oh, I see. Oh yeah. 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 That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Check that out.
0: Bada, yeah. thing, bada boom. Welcome to the show. Joe Donnarummo. Joe, it is my pleasure to finally have you on the EBFC show. I'm so glad you're taking time today to spend with me and to share a little more about yourself and what's going on and how you got started with becoming an author of The Lean Uh. Builder, which is awesome. (laughs) Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better, for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about
2: the business of construction.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator.
2: The design and construction industries come up with and build great things, but we also build in waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately, all online. Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again, in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? we discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need a brush up on 5S while well, we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at trycanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project.
0: Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry And transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. So people that don't know who you are, if that's even possible, can see who is and understand why you tick the way you do.
1: Ah, you're puffing me up. Well, first off, Felipe, it is my distinct pleasure to be on your show. I'm been listening to them, and I'm pretty pumped to uh, be able to have this time with you and to be able to share a little bit about myself and um, kind of this journey that Keon and I have been on um, throughout the last year. So, a little bit about myself. Um, I work for uh, Limbeck Group. We are a small to mid sized general contractor based out of Houston, Texas. Um, offices in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, San Antonio, uh, Houston, and primarily. Uh, I've had the distinct privilege of spending all of the time um, with Lindbeck serving one client. So I post up in Fort Worth and we serve Cook Children's Medical Center. And I've had the distinct pleasure of building and leading high performing field teams uh, and also have been blessed enough to uh, be with a client who sees enough value in lean tools and methodologies and principles uh, that have been willing to help lead the effort with polyparty party agreements, IFOAs. And I'm currently delivering um, my fourth IPD project uh, at Cook Children's, which is like the holy grail, right? Like it's like right. the best of both. You have the contracting mechanism, the change behavior, you have the desire from the owner to help support the team to push lean philosophy tools and principles into the field. So um, I've kind of hit the jackpot, so to speak with having the right type of client and the right type of company, uh, to fulfill my passion with lean, um, specifically being a lean leader in the field. That's really where I get engaged in, and really where I see somewhat of a gap that we'll get into probably later in the discussion, but really where I feel the most value can be put, put to rubber to the road.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you're, you are definitely in the crown jewel of what type of contract people are after these days for high collaboration with teams Mm -hmm. and with uh, being able to have an entire group from the owner all the way to design architect and people taking occupancy being in that mindset of
1: all about having skin in the game and having uh that incentive pool to help drive behavior and to kind of get out of that naturally siloed and naturally adversarial mindset of just throwing it over the fence uh, when an issue comes up, and 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 transversely, now you're coming to an issue of okay, well, what can we do? How can we come together? How can we solve this for the betterment of the team of that virtual company, right? That's been assembled right. to deliver that work. And you nailed it, man! It's it's next level, and it's hopefully uh, where the future's headed across uh, different market sectors, and not just in healthcare.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. We we heard. Uh... At this year's Congress 2020 virtual, which you've been a past chair of 2019, I got to serve you as the scrum master for your group. That was a pleasure. A year ago, 2019 was the two 2019 best, baby best attended Congress ever, Joe. It was best. because of
1: all it was that scrum you were dropping on us, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we broke records. I mean, we uh, did. Texas came. Awesome. Texas showed up and and made California's second place finally in attendance. That was awesome.
1: It felt good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: you're gonna have that uh, forever, man. No one can take that away from you. Oh, that was that was an awesome year and an
1: awesome team. And man, I'm just uh, thankful for that experience. Just the experience to lead that high performing team and all those individuals who were on that Congress planning team and the work that LCI and Joan and all those team members did. It was one heck of an experience and one that I'll cherish for rest of my professional career for
0: sure. It was special and I was glad we were on the, like the closeout day and Joe and I both showed up to a meeting early and mm-hmm. we started talking about, you know, what we're doing and, and Joe was, I was finally becoming aware that Joe had written a book because it, it, for those of you who've never been to Congress, it's, a, it's an intense week where there's a lot of learning yeah. to happen a lot of yep. people to meet. And it's just like, you know, I've got this book. And I was thinking like, yeah, I totally missed out having you sign my book while we were there. <laughs> <I'm inside." laughs> I had it with me. So it's something I'll have to, we'll get together in the future and I'll make you autograph me at least this one for me. You got it, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, no, that little conversation we had, Joe, we started talking about you know, what do we want to do in the industry? And that's where I think you and I really gelled our friendship, even though we'd been on so many calls. And it was that it was that quiet, finally one-on-one me time with you. Mm-hmm. Where we were like, we both want the same thing in the industry. And mm-hmm. I really love the stuff you're doing with the Lean Builder, the website, the blog. I was telling Joe, those of you that don't know, like we do actually talk on the phone every now and then, even now. And I said, I send people, for my company to the lean builder sometimes to pick up nuggets that have been published there guys have some really good stuff and and contributors to your site so thank you for making my job easier joe you're making my job easier man
2: (laughs) i
1: love it i love it no and and that resonates with me too i'm I'm glad we got to share that moment and really got the level set with one another because i think we are at the end of the day we just we will both want to leave this industry better than it is. And, right. and to be in Frank, I mean, the, the current state of our industry is broken. And if we can rise the water and have everyone's boat raised, um, that's the legacy I want to live. And I want to create, or um, help move the needle at the right. end of the day as much as much as I can to leave a, a positive lasting impact on the industry and those the individuals that I got to come across.
0: Yeah, you're definitely doing that. And the comments and feedback that you get on the stuff that gets published on social media and the mm-hmm. response, I'm sure the book response has been phenomenal. And the presentations that you and Keon do, Keon Zandi is the co-author that uh, mm-hmm. works with Joe and you guys are obviously have a long friendship. It shows. And I really like the message of how like it's for us to do it where you are on the jobs. And I think your book is one of the first books that really comes out from the field leadership perspective. Let
1: me, let me back up and I'll, I'll give you guys a little context to how that, that came about. Cause for a while, let me back up even further just for a second. You go as far
0: back as you need to Joe. So Keon
1: and I, our relationship started where we both worked for Lindbeck at one point in time. And that's where I got to meet Keon and Keon was really instrumental with helping to kind of take our lean operating system and standards, uh, to the next level. And then Keon had a transition in his life and his family and uh, he moved on, but we kept in touch and it was, we'd often share notes and we still have phone calls with each other because we were, we were often looking for the same thing. We would have field leaders, foremen, superintendents who were bought in, like they saw value in lean. They saw that it was, they didn't see lean as something that put like 20 more things on their plate. They saw it as, well, let me try something new. And this would actually take 20 things off of my plate. Right. And they'd be asking us like, "What's next?" or like, "Where can I go?" or "What's some good resources?" And at the time, you know, we had like Paul Aker's Two Second Lean, which is an amazing book for those who who haven't read it or listened to it. I recommend that or Toyota Way. However, those resources aren't really tailored to construction industry field leaders, and they're they're it, it's not as tangible, right? It's not as practical. So we'd always be constantly going to congresses looking for like that next tool. That next publication, that, that next vehicle that we could use to help bring our field leaders and provide them real meaningful value and content that could be packaged in a manner that they would enjoy to consume and then packaged in a manner that gave them really clear, simple, tangible takeaways to go implement like the next week, like not like you got to yeah. go to a class and you got to learn some more. Like no, take this, read it, and then go go start experimenting next week. It was funny. It, it, like the catalyst for all this was in 2017. We were we were headed out to Anaheim, and by chance we we got on the same flight leaving DFW, and uh, Southwest flight. So he's like, hey, you know, let us sit together. And we were we were talking about this. And we're like, what if we created something? And as we're flying, like I took the safety pamphlet out of the back of the plane yeah. or Keon did actually, he was like, Hey, what if we had like a trifold or like a cheat sheet, right. Of like, Hey, right. you know, daily huddle, visual communication, uh, constraint management, and like yeah. some, some tips getting in the last planner, like a little crib sheet. And when they could stick it up in their hard hat, do something like, so our, our wheels were turning. Okay. Well, maybe this is, maybe, maybe there's something to this. And we got there and Pat Lencioni was the keynote and, uh, Pat, crushed it, right? He's talking about five dysfunctions of a team and ideal team players. So we leave that, I go read the book and I call Keon up. I'm like, dude, it's not a pamphlet. It's a story. Like we got to do something that would be a meaningful story about a couple of characters who could drop knowledge and teach through the actions and through the, 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 the common waste and just the common turmoil that lives on our projects. And that's where it was born. And from there, it took a couple of years of us to get organized and for us to get disciplined enough to put pen to paper. But that was that was it. And and, and that was the niche that we saw. And how can we create something that would be meaningful and engaging for those field leaders
0: to to use their book studies sprouting up all over the country? People are talking about it and getting a lot out of it. And when I was reading the book earlier this year for the second time, I was trying to understand, like, is Keon Sam? Or is Joe's Z- Sam? I can't tell. <laughs> uh, you? a blended combo? And i I'm think like, it's, I think I, it's I, both I, of us. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, after after talking to Keon a little bit, like, I don't think Keon is Alan, <laughs> but I can't tell, like, how blended right who you are. Yeah, right.
1: No, it, it was really a, a shared experience from both of our journeys that played into those characters, and we were really intentional too about, especially. Um, within the story. You know, it, it's interesting to note as you see Alan as the older gray in the beard field leader mm-hmm. dropping the lean knowledge on Sam. You know, that was a really intentional move because we didn't want to isolate a lot of those senior field leaders that are in our industry today yeah. because unfortunately what made a superintendent really good 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Unfortunately, it's not the same skill set, right? It's like not the same tools that you need in your toolbox today. And it's not to their fault, but the games change. Like the entire industry has changed from our design team members and what they're up against and the quality of documents that they have to produce because of, you know, the issues that they're managing of, you know, resource allocation, um, uh, monetary issues, uh, speed to market, dependence on technology. You have skilled labor. Uh, All the issues that we have in skilled labor in our issue and uh, vocation being removed and just the stigma that working with your hands and having a blue collar uh, profession isn't successful. And the message that we're portraying in our our education system, we have five generations in the construction industry today. Like that blows my mind to think about the, the, the scale of the individuals that are in our industry today. And communication styles are different. Like it's not uncommon. I mean, you know, this it's not uncommon to see a, someone in their 30s as an executive or a, you know an operations officer within their company to have 50 and 60 year old senior leaders reporting to them, and those communication styles
0: totally different.
1: Are totally different, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, they 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 just they're oil and water in a lot of times. And historically, our industry hasn't had the focus on communication. Like, why should they? No. 30 years ago, I mean. Drawings, I mean, not throwing stones uh, to my design team partners because I know what they're up against, but drawings, I would make an argument might've been more efficient, I guess would be the best way to say they had more time, money, people to put into vetting out those details and making a a truly coordinated set of documents. You had tons of skilled labor. You had um, more labor to go around. You had trade partners that generally showed up more prepared with a plan on a project because they weren't managing this labor shortage and not having time to plan out and and do their work and you know communication styles 20 30 years ago were definitely more hierarchical right you had a owner of a company was probably 60s uh senior leaders 50s 40s so like it, it was it was much more structured and there wasn't a dependence to rely on communication the way we do and the battles lost and won between the job trailer and the man or woman on the wall putting the work in and that's really where i think you know the industry is broken right now and that's what i try to explain uh to those field leaders and those superintendents that um it's not you it's it's not you that that's done anything wrong uh right. but but the, the game's changed and lean's going to be the best tool that you have uh to combat that gap and to make your job
0: successful right on man and that's why that's why you're here because you're you're out there recognizing the problem you know a lot of people i talk to joe that are having success of any kind they don't even realize all those things you just mentioned they're not thinking about it because in in their silo and their specialty and their niche mm-hmm. they're not having that problem because mm-hmm. they can just do work and then you know hand it off or toss mm-hmm. it over the wall or over the fence and so many people in the industry when they're surveyed have no idea how bad it is i was talking to some mechanical estimators yesterday i i put up the productivity chart for construction and i said oh you know, yeah your great grandfathers had better productivity in the 1960s than we do today in 2020 yeah. and i said and the and the trend over the last five years is it's actually worse and it's not because the people aren't as strong or as smart or as skilled it has to do with the systems we have in play that we just go to work in and don't even think about because right. we're, we're in it. That's right. not, it wasn't like, you know, when, when I read this, this was like, just so fresh again, like to just remind me, I, I did spend some time when I used to work for Turner Construction as a superintendent on one project. And I was thinking, reading the book, like, where was my Alan? Mm-hmm. Like, man, I could have benefited so much. I can't, rem- I could tell you stories about getting in trouble with, iron workers and having Mm -hmm. my life threatened and (laughs) people trying to shake me down for money, which I didn't have, you Uh know, and, and there's so many cool stories. Like I really cherish the little bit of time I had as a superintendent. Mm -hmm. Could you tell people uh, that are thinking about construction as a career, or they've got a choice, they're at a crossroads between project management or staying in the field as a superintendent. What would you tell somebody that's 10 years ago joe knowing what you know now
1: knowing what i know now i mean obviously my my heart and my passion is is still in the field so i would certainly convey to that individual who's thinking about "Mm, maybe it's the project manager track versus the superintendent track to me i was always fulfilled in the field because i felt like i walked away at the end of the day with something tangible like i physically made a difference on the product, I could walk away and see that, Hey, we hung some steel today and I helped coordinate and sequence with that trade partner, that delivery, the phasing plan where the truck came in, it was very rewarding to me. Um, and, and in conjunction with that, the battles won or lost in the field. And that's where you have the greatest opportunity to impact your job, either for the, for the benefit or for the detriment of the project. And I was, was always, um, invigorated by that somewhat risk, right? You, you have. Um, those risks that you have to mitigate and to manage. But it was that excitement that always, you know, when I got out of bed and my feet hit the ground, I was excited to go. And, I, and to this day, I'm excited to go into work, especially in the days that I get to spend out in the field. And that is what I would probably try to plant the seed in that individual who's thinking about field or office. To me, those were the benefits. And the, that was the drivers of my engagement of why I, I love the field. I mean, to each his own, certainly there's some very fulfilling and and, and meaningful work um, on the project manager side. And you got to have uh, those team leaders in place who are just crushing it on their end of the fence. But my heart and soul is always going to be on the field
0: for yeah. those reasons. No, man, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we need to encourage, I partner with uh, AGC California to encourage people to consider the trades and, you know, and here I am with like two degrees and advanced degree. And I'm, I'm encouraging tradespeople or people thinking about it. Cause I know the value. There was times when I was in college, Joe, where I was knocking on IBW's door and I was ready to, you know, get my, my pliers mm-hmm. and become a, an electrician multiple times. Yeah. And it wasn't because I, I didn't think, you know, that it wasn't good or honorable to do that. I just had, uh, I ran my mouth too much and I knew that that wouldn't be good for me. <laughs> Man, <laughs> it sounds I mean, like you better go to school.
1: You're you're hitting on something though, because yeah. you know, our, our industry isn't appealing. It isn't sexy, so to speak, for that next generation right now. And that's really the work that we as leaders in this industry have to overcome to make it appealing again. You know, Keon, yeah. it's funny, a lot of times we'll be in a meeting or a presentation with a team and he shares this story, like a, I guess, a couple years ago. And he's at his his kid's school doing like parent day, and yeah. they're talking about what kids want to do when they grow up. And like, the vast majority of the of the kids, and I think it was like first second grade, want to be YouTube influencers.
0: <laughs> like, like that's the going <laughs> thing. Like, they want to be a YouTuber, right? Yeah. And I look
1: at my own kids, and like that's what they're all pumped up about, and that's yeah. what they're excited about. But the point is,
0: my kids too, Joe.
1: There's so much opportunity. <laughs> out there. If I'm being like blunt and honest, I'm not sure if I want my kids to enter the construction industry in the current state that it is right now. It it doesn't have a ton of promise. It doesn't have uh, a ton of excitement for that individual if we don't work to change the perception of this industry. I mean, just you you hit on it earlier talking about the, the production uh, rate of our industry, and we're worse off than we were in the the 1960s. I mean, every year it just kind of keeps ticking down, and I think that's where the work is, and that's where we have to get back um, to reestablish that it's okay to go learn a craft in a profession. It's okay to not go have eighty thousand dollars in student debt. You don't have to have a white collar right. to be successful, and you can go start a great career in a rewarding industry and provide an excellent quality of life, uh, whether that's a trade partner leader a worker or you decide to get into the a gc side and help to lead and to run work we've got to change the perception of the industry we have to make it appealing again for the generation if not you know these issues that i talked about in our current state of the industry like skilled labor and the labor shortage it's like there, there, there's no like line of labor getting ready to just influx into our industry and that's why we're having to rely on lean so much to bridge those gaps that we have on our projects and unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon until we start having some meaningful change. Right on.
0: Yeah. And we do have to get to the kids. It's like, I tell people, you know, I don't have to ever convince somebody to want to do lean. I said, great ideas spread on their own. And with enthusiasm, if it's, if it's real and you're passionate about it, it'll come across and people want to get more involved and and engage and the same is true with the, the future leaders that are going to come up through the trades now or through you know the office side either way we need yep. passionate people that that care about what they do and it's not just a paycheck thing like we give so many hours joe like i mean you volunteer outside of uh, your day job mm-hmm. you're, you're doing the lean builder all that and giving that information out there That's Mm -hmm. just pouring out of you because you've got so much to give and to share. And it's when, you know, it's going to catch, it's catchy. And there have been people that have said, and definitely reading your book that I see myself as, you know, and they'll name somebody in the book. Like I've Mm -hmm. been that trade partner that's Mm -hmm. been upset. I can't understand why this general contractor superintendent is talking to me like this. And now that they're reading your book, they're like, oh, they're under all this pressure. I had no idea. I didn't even think about that. Like we're under pressure too. Like mm-hmm. that's something that should bring us together, not separate us. Absolutely, absolutely. So I love that in the book, and definitely, uh, you know, if anyone hasn't picked up the book, get it. It's on Audible too. And mm-hmm. I've listened to yep. it on Audible a couple times, and I'm one of those people that I got to read something a couple times to, to really Same here. get it in. Yeah, but I Same did here. want to ask you uh, a couple questions, like as you guys were, were putting it together, mm-hmm. did you always think, and, and I heard you talk about you're on Southwest and you want to do like a trifold. Mm-hmm. Your book is in two parts. You've got the amazing story in the beginning mm-hmm. and then you've got the crib notes in the back, the playbook, so the playbook, did the playbook was that like going into it? You were going to get there or did, did it evolve after
1: it kind of evolved after because we got done as we were kind of Right we weren't even complete with the book, but we got to the end and we started to think about our audience, maybe a fault on on my own. But sometimes like once I get through reading a book, like I've always said like, man, I wish there was like something in the back of the book that was like five pages that just highlighted all the main points. I didn't have to like go back and try to find my notes or my highlights. And I yeah. was like, that's it, man. He's like, we need a cliff notes of all the content that's in the book. Just slam it in the back. So even if A trade partner or a GC superintendent picks up the book. Obviously, we want them to read the story because we felt like it was engaging and something that a, a trade leader would resonate with. But man, let's give them some value at the end. And they could literally take, you know, wipe over 250 pages and just go straight for the 15 pages in the back that puts the rubber to the road and give them a playbook and give them something that they could actually take with their team, print out on paper, put it up in the board if they decide to start doing a daily huddle. Um, you know, hey, here's the seven tips to having a successful daily huddle. You know, keep it short, stand up, uh, no phones, like you know, yeah. give them the information that they need to, to be successful. And that's really how that that all came about. We wanted to have a useful quick reference resource at the at the back of the book. And we've had a lot of great feedback, like, hey man, you know, the the um the playbook was awesome, and, and actually the most feedback we get is Hey, you need more visuals, like, you know, show us your boards. Like we need, we need some, we need some, you know, two week look ahead or three week look ahead boards or what's your constraint board look like. So yeah. I think that that's probably the next iteration of trying to help.
0: Well, uh, send them to the blog. It's all there, man. Absolutely. All, all those absolutely. examples are on the blog. Like uh, we got to plug the blog. I'll put in the show notes, Joe, uh, links to the blog, links to the book, because it's gold. I, I've been there myself. I've looked at your the blog many times and looking at different visuals have you even commented on some of the last planner things that you had some guest uh contributors on and it's just like this is exactly it's kind of funny because you grew up and have been building in texas i grew up in chicago building for there half my career and then the other half california in the last five years all over the us and and we got to the same place in our last planner system mm-hmm. <laughs> we got Isn't to the funny? same exact place <laughs> And like you're you're one of the the few people that I that I talk to that consistently has success with it. And when I read your playbook, I was like, "Oh, Joe's got standards like me. We have standards and our teams. Got to have standards. Got to right. have standards, and it makes such a big difference. So when we know a lot of people, Joe, in the industry that that say they're doing pool planning and don't get the results. What kind of results do you get uh, from pool planning? Just because I wanted to get, we haven't done a good job marketing. So this is the only reason why I'm asking you, Joe. Yeah. So that we can tell somebody who's a superintendent or a project manager or a project exec that's on the fence, should we do pool planning or -hmm. should we rely on traditional scheduling? What's your Mm -hmm. advice?
1: Uh, One reason alone, I'll just stick with one. And it's you're getting out of the mindset and delivery of a schedule that was made in a freaking silo by a senior superintendent or a a home office scheduler or a project executive. And that schedule oftentimes really not even being looked at again until obviously the project gets contracted and sometimes it still finds its way down into buyout. Uh, And then it may even go past that and you actually have a superintendent pushing that schedule on top of trades. And the biggest value for me in Last Planner System is getting a a group of trade partners into a room, level setting with them Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, this is the team. This is it. We're all looking at each other. How do we want to build this job? I have an idea and I'll, I'll share my ideas with you guys, but it's not set in stone. Where do you guys find value? What do you guys need to be successful? And what that is setting the stage for is you will have trade partners who are bought in who are engaged and who validate this schedule that ends up coming out? So when you are when you are running the work, um, and if you're, I'm assuming you're implementing Last Planner system holistically, you know you're you're at that weekly work plan level. You have a trade partner who is willing to go above and beyond to make sure that milestones reach because they had a voice, they had skin in the game with how the schedule was created, and you're the engagement level that you're going to get that alone that one principle alone to me is 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 everything because now when it comes time to have the tough talk about working on a weekend i mean i'll be honest with you nine times out of ten Felipe, i don't even have to go have the tough talk about guys we got to work on saturday this week because oftentimes the guys will move heaven and earth to not have right. to work on saturday And if they do they realize well that was the commitment that's the commitment i made to the team and i'm going to make sure that that gets handled
0: high reliability Absolutely when people buy Absolutely. it and own it, yeah, no, thank you Joe yeah and and people, if you're out there, you don't need to figure it out on your own. You can get the playbook, and <laughs> Joe's got it's solid gold, like I put my uh, stamp of approval on that playbook, I appreciate that, you know, last year it
1: was really getting the book completed and wrote, and this year's been all about the blog, you know, and the the blog has served the purpose of. We really want to create a community of field leaders, uh, of of lean practitioners, and I give them a platform to share their best practices, to share their lessons learned. Uh, Keon and I are often, you know, writing a lot of the content. Just like last night, I had to stay up late to go ahead and make sure we had a blog teed up for for next week. But we we love capturing those stories and those journeys of um, those lean field leaders and practitioners with our industry. So. Uh, encourage you guys, if you have uh, a great tip or a great story, we want to showcase it and we want to highlight it on the blog because that, that's the intent is to create a platform for a community of field-focused, field-centric lean leaders to be able to share best practices so we can, again, raise that water and have everyone's boat yeah. rise.
0: Let's all make it an industry that we're proud to spend the vast majority of our days in. It was really cool to share the stage with you virtually at the Lean Construction blog virtual conference earlier this year. Mm, yeah. I started yeah. off about on 5S and then you and Keon came on after and we're talking about yeah. the lean builder and tips mm-hmm. and and you guys really brought it home. The the best part for me of that whole thing, Joe, mm-hmm. was that the three of us got to share in the Q&A. <laughs> that was. Yeah. That was so that was, that was so fun. much fun. I know. It was.
1: Well, cuz you're not used to
0: facilitating
1: a Q&A with you know, another speaker and you're like, well, who's, yeah. you know, which yeah. way are we going with this? No, it was awesome, man. That was yeah. a, that was a great uh, virtual conference and they did a great job pulling that off. It was fun.
0: I love you got some, you got some stuff in the works for what's coming up next and you're out there doing it and helping so many people, even helping me. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you got
1: it, buddy. You got it.
0: Yeah. Now, now I know who you are in the book. You've become <laughs> Alan. <laughs> <laughs> and then and it's like the way that I read Alan's last name is Felipe. <laughs> but it uh, uh love it. yeah I mean that's love the it. way if you just look at it, it's how it's pronounced. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't wait to talk to Keon and be like, What's up, Sam? <laughs> uh, no, that's Keanu, good He's a good egg. He is he is, he's good too. I I talked to him a few times and, uh, he's definitely very forward thinking and the same things that you love about where you're working. he's of the same mindset and there's no shock that you guys had some, you used to work together. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: boom, our industry is small in terms of, even though there are 11 million construction professionals in the United States, I always feel like we all know each other somehow. (laughs) We're all Mm -hmm. very close because we go through a lot of the same things. We do. It doesn't matter what state you're in, what city you're working in, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of similarities. So what's something else, Joe, that you want to talk about that's been on your mind?
1: I think I'd maybe take that opportunity to just kind of share with the listeners of, of where the Lean Builder's headed. You know, in the future right now, Keon and I are getting teed up to kind of have our strategic planning session for 2021. And again, this year has been all about the blog and excited next year to expand into Um, Hopefully our own podcast and some more multimedia uh, type of productions to help uh, further bridge that gap. And again, to further provide um, more resources to the men and women of the field and, and the men and women who need those resources. So we're excited about getting organized around how we're going to do that and how we're going to scale that um so stay
0: tuned there you go ladies and gentlemen get ready
1: <laughs> joe i'll be Kian. calling you now i'll be calling you yeah, i need you to drop all that knowledge on
0: man, you got it, on man. me now count on it so. yeah anytime anytime ladies and gentlemen joe calls me he does not go straight to voicemail <laughs> <laughs> unless i'm doing a show <laughs> There you go. that's awesome no it is awesome yeah i uh i just can't say anything else other than just lucky you know, to have met you and we did and, and get to Same work here. with you. Yeah. It's been a big plus for me, Joe. It's always good to find, you know, other people that believe that things can get be better and mm-hmm. that we have the power within ourselves and then within our span of control and influence to make it a better experience. I can only imagine, you know, you're on four, your fourth integrated project delivery for your client at Cook you know, what that's like going to work every day. It's got to be amazing.
1: It is. But at the same breath, we're still learning. That's what that's what's awesome about it is is we haven't just settled like, well, you know, we did, we did one, we're good. (laughs) Like it's no, okay, well, we had a lot of great wins in the last one. But where do we fall short, and then taking that last validation study, and then okay, let's pull it forward. Let's improve upon what we did on that last project and make this one even better for all the team members of and deliver more value to the client. Cause at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We've got yeah. to deliver more value to the stakeholder. And uh, yeah, sometimes I pinch myself. It's awesome coming in and being around all the like-minded team members that that get it and who are passionate about it and engaged by it. I love it. I love it.
0: You started doing that. Uh, you dabbled in, I'm sure, having that type of high performing team, even before your first IPD job, was it a oh, gradual yeah. transition or was there like a, did you have a great experience, and then went back to a traditional delivery, and then went IPD, or how did you transition into that IPD overdrive?
1: So the first IPD agreement um, that took place on campus uh, actually took place before I joined the Lindbeck team, um, but it was it was a gradual move up to you know Cook's admin and leadership to selecting that type of delivery and contracting method. But once they tasted the fruit on the first project, um, all the remaining master plan campus work to date has been delivered through IPD delivery. Wow! So uh, a lot of those core tenants were already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, last planner system was being implemented, target value design was being leveraged, but the contracting method was still the last piece in the last domino to fall. Um, so with the Rosedale office building first IPD project on campus, once that project was, Completed and we started looking ahead to uh, the next project, which was South Tower, the next big master plan project. That's when uh, uh, that's when it was decided to, hey, this is this is it. This is where we're headed as an organization, and been on it ever since. Of you know that first project. Even now, we've pivoted and transitioned to our capital project delivery. You know the small project churn and burn each year um, is now under. The same type of delivery, although modified because you have different players and smaller scale. But saw owners saw so much value in what they were getting on the big projects with the big teams that they scaled that to work for their own capital project delivery. So that's also an interesting note. Very cool.
0: Yeah, that that is cool. And and we talked about that a lot. How much influence the owners have in setting the tone for how the project's going to go.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that's just a testament to the leadership at Cook Children's that, you know, saw that they had the, the bravery and courage to experiment with IPD because we've all heard the stories of, you know, IPD done wrong Mm -hmm. and people lose and it just puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And, but it is like everything that we know, Joe, the people that you have doing it are so critical, important to the success. Absolutely. Kudos to leadership. If you're out there on a team right now and you're listening to this show or watching the video, we encourage you to experiment small to start, get that taste, get that flavor, go visit a job. Absolutely. Most IPD teams are like wide open for people to come and learn and see. I mean, we even saw that in your book where you had, uh, Sam's inviting Alan to come mm-hmm. to his job. Come
1: over to the job, come yeah. check it out. And then come likewise, sit in cool plan.
0: Alan's like, come sit on this because you don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. And just to see see it happening. I remember we had a, a director going to a job that had been using Last planner system for three years. Mm-hmm. And he sat down to a typical sub meeting and he just, it, he said it was like magic seeing the trades get up and talk mm-hmm. to each other and the superintendent, you know, involved, but not pushing anything. And mm-hmm. then the schedule, like they went from a blank wall to a three or four week look ahead, like right. almost like that, like magic. Yeah.
1: That everyone was bought in and everyone agreed to the sequence and everyone agreed to the flow. Oh yeah. It's magic stuff.
0: It's magic. And the job, just the owner loves the work that they do and all these positive side effects of just creating an environment where people can be engaged. That's the real magic. Like I just tell people like all the, the, the hard and fast rules of poll planning is having five conversations. It's not this other stuff that, you know, people are overcomplicated. There's so many things that, uh, we still have left to talk about. We need more time, Joe. I'm so, we do. I'm only disappointed that we don't have more time that could hold you hostage and, and go longer. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but we'll, I do, we'll, we'll gonna, do this again. We're going to yeah, have to do this again. Yeah. You're going to have to come back and we can even, if Keon's good, we could let him join us too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's good. next. But I, but I do <laughs> want to ask you a couple more questions when, yeah, uh, You know, when people are reading the book and Mm -hmm. they're thinking about Sam in particular, the story for me is just so powerful because Mm -hmm. it just resonates on so many levels. You know, have you met people and without, you know, putting anybody on blast, can you share a story of, uh, you know, having somebody go from skeptical to engaged?
1: Heck yeah, man. I can, about a hundred of them. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when I'm, you know, when I have a skeptic, whether it's within my own firm or if I'm... You know, I had a presentation or a workshop and I'm talking to someone, I often have to level set with them because they're looking at me and they're thinking, hold up, time out. I've worked for my company for 25 years. I've never missed a CO date. I've made my company a boatload of money. My client loves me. Why the heck should I listen to anything you're talking about? Why should I change the way that I run work in the field? Then oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll take them. Uh, remember earlier in the, in the conversation, they were kind of talking about the current state of the industry, yeah. like, you know, OK, design drawings um, aren't the same as what they used to be 30 years ago. We got skilled labor issues. We have uh, labor shortages in general. You got five generations in the workforce. You have trade partners who are managing this labor shortage, skilled labor shortage. So oftentimes they're being spread too thin. Mm-hmm. You know, they show up to the projects. Oftentimes the GC's the one printing the documents off for the trade partners. And again, it's not mm-hmm. a knock, but they just don't have, you know, the time. You have all these different communication styles now. And is it uh, to me, I I kind of start there and I'm like, our industry's broken. What made you successful 25 years ago isn't gonna continue to make you successful. Then I then I talked to him like, When's the last time you just worked? 50 hours. Mm-hmm. 60. 70, like you live here. Is it not seem harder and harder and harder each and every year to push, pull, and drag these projects across the finish line? I know you're going to do it. You're going to kill yourself doing it because that's the type of leader and that's the type of superintendent you are. But is it not harder and harder? Are you not burned out? Are you not like tired of beating your head against the wall? And generally, when I can level set with someone and we can agree that Mm -hmm. the game's changed, the industry's broken, the industry needs to improve... And I recognize that we can at least find common ground on where we all stand. That's when I can get the door cracked normally just enough <laughs> to be able to start. Cause oftentimes they look at it like, great now, you okay. I got five more things to do now. This is mm-hmm. great. And then explaining to them, no, 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 no. Yeah, you might have to try something a little different or you might be doing something different, but by doing this, you're gonna take 20 things off your plate. You're going to have capacity in your day. Your phone's not going to constantly ring like a freaking fire drill all day. And you're going to be able to rise and you're going to be able to see what's happening. You're going to be able to see those constraints three weeks out before they hit you in the face in the weekly work plan. And you're going to be able to lead your job the way it needs to be led in the way that your trade partners are needing you to be reliable and to lead that project. And that's normally where I can get the seed planted. And from there, it just takes a little love and a little watering to kind of keep nurturing that along.
0: Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Plant the seed, water it, talk to it, love it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Joe. That's a good one. uh, It's not something extra we have to do.
1: You know, the ideas, the principles, the tools of lean, they're really easy, right? I mean, a lot of it's common sense, like, Oh yeah, I should have a material delivery board. We should be talking about when things yeah. are showing up to the site. Right? Right. But they're hard to implement because they revolve around people. People right. are in the equation and people are oftentimes that, uh, the hardest gap to bridge. So just I often encourage people start small and we talk about it in the book. Start, if you're interested in starting a lean journey or improving the one that you're on, start small. You hit on it earlier, take baby steps.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: learn a little and continue to move. If you dive straight in the last planner system and you don't have a culture of trust, accountability, mutual respect established on your job site, you're going to fail. You're going to get a bad taste of lean in your mouth and you're going to say, that crap doesn't work. I've tried it already. Well, did you start the right way? Did you start with the people and not the tools? Did you establish a job site culture where people respected each other and trusted each other and held each other honestly accountable with one another. Because if you can't do that, how the heck are you going to make a reliable commitment in a pool plan and expect the team to move heaven and earth to meet it? Right? So that, that's my I guess my last two cents is just start small, be patient with yourself and be patient with your team. And use the soft squishy stuff. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. got to have that self awareness, you have to know what are the motivators and demotivators of your team so that you can be a good leader because if you're not spending time and focusing on that, um, you're not going to make it.
0: Yeah. And I can imagine the, uh, you taking that approach, your relationship with your trade leaders has got to be night and day different as what it was when you first got into the business a couple of decades ago.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, man, I'll pull back the curtain. And I'll be honest. I didn't value, I called them So I mean, even just the way in Mitch calling them trade partners versus subcontractors I had no respect for our subcontractors i would make a schedule i'd walk into that weekly subcontractor meeting i would throw the schedule down on the table and never failed man eyes were glazing over guys would be disengaged 15 minutes in because i wasn't allowing them a voice and i wasn't allowing them to use their knowledge i mean they're the subject matter experts right they know how to build their particular craft better than anyone else so why in the world what I think that I know how to do their job better than them. And why wouldn't I just try to harness that information and that knowledge and leverage that information knowledge to make the overall projects of sex better. So a- absolutely full 180 from where I entered into this industry um, of how I view and respect our, our valuable trade partner resources in those teams, because man, those guys are way smarter than I'll ever be when it comes to putting work into place.
0: Joe, I got on that same vein when I was young, I was lucky. I was still probably like 25 Mm -hmm. and the superintendent I was working on, it was a small little project. We didn't have enough people. It was like him and I running this job. Mm -hmm. And he, he sat me down and said, I I came up in the trades. These are real people. He's like, this is like our first meeting. We didn't really know each other. We're getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. And he's Mm -hmm. telling me all these personal things about, you know, what it's like. He's like this guy that's working here. That's the dad. That's his son. He's like, mm-hmm. that's the brother. He's like, it's a family and we're all connected. And yep. he said, so when we talk to people, he's like, you're going to notice that I ask people to do things. I don't tell people. Yeah. He just had this like super different approach. I mean, it was night and day yeah. from where I just yeah. was. And he, he just, doesn't
1: call him by their company right. name or by Sparky or Tim. Exact- Bender. He de- never did and he, that. And he didn't look at him like a commodity.
0: Nope everybody was a person, yes. everybody was by first name, he knew everybody, he knew their family, he worked with their grandfathers. I mean, yeah. it was incredible. And, I, and the cool thing about working with him is that I was doing contracting at the time for buying out the job. We were getting better numbers because mm-hmm. he was the superintendent. Mm-hmm. People knew, like companies Absolutely. knew, like, oh, this guy, he treats our people well, here's a discount we'd love to work with you.
1: Absolutely. It was Cause incredible. he knows that as a, as a superintendent, he's going to create a reliable workflow that they can make money on.
0: Yep. And the job was beautiful. It was one of my most yep. proud jobs to be a part of. So
1: GCs, if
0: you want to know who your top performing
1: superintendents are, talk to your trades, <laughs> take a survey. That's right. It's all, all I do. Talk to yeah. your trade partner leaders. They're not going to lie to you they're going to be straight up honest.
0: Yeah. Right on. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I know you got to run. I really super duper appreciate you coming on. This has been value added for me. I picked up some gems and nuggets that I'm going to take forward starting today. And it is a uh, zero dark 30. So <laughs> I definitely have I love it. a full workday opportunity to put it to play.
1: Well, Felipe again, uh, my, my honor, my privilege. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to, uh, uh, have this relationship with you I'm, I'm thankful for it and thankful for the opportunity to be on the show and look forward to being back on soon so yes you good will stuff <laughs> thank you Joe. all right have a great day go crush it
0: i will very special thanks to my guest i'm felipe engineer manriquez the ebfc show is created by felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better thanks for listening stay safe everybody let's go build